Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17 to 19. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by a holistic nutritionist, weightlifting coach, best-selling author and photographer of stephaniegodrow.com as well as stupideasypaleo.com. She helps women get strong, fit and confident so they can stop wishing and start doing. She has a number one rated health podcast called Harder to Kill Radio and nothing gets her more fired up than helping people tap into their unlimited potential, harness their strength and confidence and create the lifestyle they've always dreamed of for themselves. Sounds fantastic, Steph. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I feel motivated just hearing your introduction, just reading it out, Steph. I feel like I'm ready to go out and go do some cool stuff and harder to kill. I love that phrase. You know, that, that's just cool. I, I saw as I was browsing your uh, website earlier, you've got little notebooks that, that say harder to kill on the front. And I was like, that's really cool. I want one of those. So I think after the episode, I might order myself one of those. They're pretty cool. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself, Steph. You know, you're, you seem like a very inspirational, inspired person. Have you always been that way? Oh, not at all. (laughs) I'll try to keep it sort of concise. But, you know, growing up, I was always sort of not confident about myself and my body and always wanted to change how I looked. And, you know, for me, like my legs were always a point, like a sore point, like they're always bigger than everybody else's. And um, I just had this underlying sense of not being happy and confident. And had some, you know, nagging health problems here and there and nothing that was terribly bad, but I just never really felt great, you know, and I think that's something that a lot of people just come to accept. They're like, well, that's just how it is. Like I have, you know, every time when I eat, I get bloated or um, whatever, like every month I get terrible acne or whatever it is. And I think people think, oh, that's just how my life is. And so I was really 
sort of resigned to that fate and tried all sorts of diets and tried all sorts of ways to manipulate my body and make it smaller and lose weight and just never really felt great. But in 2010, um, actually 2009, friends of mine, when I was racing mountain bikes, uh, they were like, we're going to try this gluten-free diet thing. And they gave me the book, The Paleo Diet for Athletes by Dr. Cordain and Joe Friel. And that sort of kicked off my interest in trying something new. I was like, what do I have to lose? You know, I have terrible energy. My energy slumps every day in the afternoon. Um, You know, just all sorts of stuff. My mood was always terrible. And so I thought, all right, what do I have to lose? And so I tried paleo starting in January of 2010. And after a couple months, I was like, this is amazing. I feel so much better. And so that sort of kicked off my journey from there. I was teaching high school. So I taught high school chemistry and biology for 12 years. And this was about the same time I started um, my blog. So I've been paleo since 2010. Fall of 2011 rolls around and I would share recipes on my personal blog. And a friend of mine, and I don't even remember who it is now. I wish I could thank whoever it was because I owe them a debt of gratitude. Said something like, you should just start a food blog. And I thought, okay. It's kind of like a, an online recipe box for me to save all my recipes <laughs> and tell other people because I would, you know, I'd go to big sort of mountain bike weekends and get togethers and I'd bring a recipe or bring a dish and people would say, what is that? How, what's the recipe? And so I'd have to write it down. And so it became a way for me to help people get my recipes and just to share what I was doing. And right around the same time, I was starting to feel a little bit disenchanted with my career as a teacher. And so long story short was after about a year and a half of running Stupid Easy Paleo as kind of a blog for fun, I decided, well, I'm going to quit my job and go for it and just see what happens. And and I make that sound like it was a really easy decision, but it wasn't. I agonized over it for a long time. But here we are three and a half years later, and I just I can't imagine doing anything different. So it's been quite the journey. And now I, you know, I, I write about nutrition, I create recipes, I coach weightlifting at our local CrossFit gym. And um, I am doing a lot more mindset coaching these days, too, which is really fun. So it's just started to evolve into this really cool way to share with others, this sort of like journey that I've been on. And um, it's it's just been really fun. And I always joke with my husband that I think I'm I'm really unemployable at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I love my freedom and I love um, being able to just get an idea and make it cr- like just create it and make it come to life. So yeah. the podcast and my books and my programs and all that stuff have uh, have all come out of that. So it's been really fun. Well, that sounds fantastic. I mean, that sounds like I'm sure a dream for many people who are listening to this podcast who are passionate about health and wellness and paleo and they think, you know, I'd love to just do that. Like, I'd love to just make a career out of that. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So, yeah. uh, I guess starting there, you know, what advice would you have for people who are on that in that position who are, you know, they, they have a, perhaps have a day job, um, you know, they've got a mortgage to pay, they've got, you know, maybe <laughs> have some kids, they, you know, but they really just have this passion for paleo and, and this passion to share health and wellness and, and perhaps they want that 
that more paleo lifestyle where they're, they're not constrained to a nine-to-five job. They can you know, be a bit more flexible, be more creative, be a bit more of themselves day-to-day. What advice would you have for those people? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the first thing is just to start, get started somehow. And the easiest way to probably do that these days would be to start a blog. You know what? You can start a blog in about five minutes. (laughs) It might not be the most uh, like customized thing in the world, but you can go on WordPress.com and sign up and or Squarespace and get it, get your own little corner of the internet and start writing or start sharing your photos or start sharing your adventures, whatever it is you're passionate about. And, you know, this stuff takes time. So (laughs) you just have to sort of start putting yourself out there and through that process of putting yourself out there and writing and taking photos or creating whatever it is you want to create, you'll start to sort of refine your message and what it is you really want to share with the world. And so I think, you know, people, a lot of people just think, Oh, I just want to get to that level and just do what you're doing. And I'm like, you're right, but everybody starts at the same point, which is square one. And so I think just get started. Don't wait. um, Because you really want to just start putting stuff out there and sharing it with the people that you love in your life. Um, Inevitably, if you're really passionate about something and you're sharing it, people are going to come around and they're going to say, Hey, can you, can you teach me more about that thing? Right. And so you can share from there. So I think that would be the first piece of advice. I mean, creating social media accounts is great, but I have to say you don't own that piece of, that platform, right? Like you're sort of renting space and we can't control what the platforms do, the social media and the rules. And, you know, it's great. It's a, it all works together, but ultimately you want your own little home on the internet where you can write your stuff and share your stuff. So that would be the first thing I would recommend. And the second thing is, you know, most people that I know, myself included, who ended up quitting their day job, you know, we were doing or we're running our blogs or running our websites or doing our coaching or whatever it is that we want to do alongside our full-time job for a while. And most people just don't have the financial luxury of just quitting right away. Um, Some people might, which is great, but you know, there were definitely weekends when I would line up three or four recipes and create those on the weekend or write, a blog post at night after I got home from the gym. I mean, there was definitely a period of time where I was working on both things. I was still teaching during the day and I was still doing stupid, easy paleo stuff on the weekend or at night. So you will have a probably a period of time where you're doing both. And I think that's great. You know, it's wonderful to have an idea and to be super passionate about something, but you really want to make sure before you just up and quit. Yeah. <laughs> like absolutely. you really, you, you want to still be able to pay the mortgage. Yeah. You want to still yeah. put food on the table. It's, it's kind of important. Yeah. And so if you're starting to feel like you've been doing it for a while and you're really like, yeah, this is really what you want to do. And you're, you're ready to go all in, you know, make a plan and, and sort of set a date and just say, you know, a year from now or 18 months from now or two years from now. And this is my plan. And, you know, plans change, but at least you sort of have a date in mind. I, I find what happens to a lot of people is they just say someday I'll do it. Mm. And then there's nothing holding them accountable. For me, you know, the end of the school year in June was a a natural segue, a natural transition point. So I said, all right, June of 2013, 
that's it. And I think with that date in mind, I I had a mental, you know, I had sort of a mental goal that I could reach for and say, I need to stay, I need to keep taking action, I need to keep taking steps toward leaving and toward starting my new my new career. And so I think that was really helpful. Have a date in mind. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Yeah. So let's go back to the start. You know, it's really interesting, Steph. You're talking about lacking confidence uh, right at the start. You were talking about feeling like you had big legs and that that was an issue for you. And, you know, it's so fascinating. I was just thinking on this topic last night because I was actually watching um, a documentary about the 2015 CrossFit Games last night. You may have seen yeah. that, Steph. And, yeah. uh, and it was awesome. It was so cool. And, and there were girls there competing in the CrossFit Games who definitely had big legs um, <laughs> and they were gorgeous. Like they're, they're, they're stunning, amazing physiques. And so I was. it was sort of made me think about, you know, all these ideals we have about, you know, what is an ideal physique? And, and you know, it seems at the moment that, that you know, strong is the new sexy, that, that you know, people are, are moving towards those more, I guess, athletic physiques seem to be really popular at the moment. You know, at other times it's been, you know, perhaps in, in the last couple of decades it's been those ultra skinny physiques that the models that people have been aspiring to be. You know, you go back a few generations, it was more rounded figures that were, mm-hmm. you know, that were aspired to be. And, and you know, it just made me sort of contemplate on that and think, well, you know, what is beauty and and why do we, you know, try and box people into, you know, everyone needs to look one certain way when the reality is everyone's different and that's totally okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what the question is here, Steph, but, but I'm curious about, I'm curious for you, I'd love you for you, I think, to talk a little bit about that lack of confidence in your body that you had at that young age uh, and how yeah. that affected you um, and I guess how you worked through that. Yeah, so... You know, I was a really early bloomer, um, just in terms of puberty and like how my body developed. And you know, I was in like fifth grade, which is age ten. So to put it into context, uh, I know grades are different and stuff, but about age ten when I first um, started puberty and I got my period and my body was changing at ten years old. That's pretty. It's still pretty young. And so what ended up happening was I was getting really sick every month whenever. I would get my period and I went to a doctor with my mom and had a pelvic exam at age like 11 and they were like, nothing's wrong with you. And yet every month I kept, I would feel sick, so sick. I would, I couldn't go to school. I was, you know, like vomiting all the time and just nothing helped. And so I think, you know, I, I've thought a lot about this over the last year, especially since I've been working more with women and I think I stopped trusting myself. I stopped trusting my own body because a doctor told me that I was okay. Well, when I was 33, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So it turns out that all those years, I really did have something wrong with me. And and so anyway, I think I learned to stop trusting my body. And I think that really kicked off this sort of disenchantment with how I looked and was I supposed to be different and I was different from other kids. And so that sort of precipitated that whole thing. And then, you know, I got into athletics. I was always a really active kid. I played sports and soccer and all sorts of stuff. And then I found mountain biking when I was in my early twenties and, you know, to be a great mountain bike racer, you like, it's a pretty lean, um, small body type, you know, the smaller you are, the better, because if you can create a better power to weight ratio, it's easier to climb up hills. And so I I still never fit in in that particular 
sport either, just in terms of how I looked, you know, and it was always this ongoing battle. And it wasn't until actually I found CrossFit and Cara Webb is sort of my, my, uh, my CrossFit unicorn. I think she's, yeah, she's, she's, I look at her and I just think, wow, she, she, I, someone like me, you know? Um, and I think she's just so wonderful that she does what she does and doesn't care how she looks. But, um, anyway, you know, in, in 2010, I found CrossFit and I started really going on a regular basis. I mean, I had dabbled a little bit in, in the gym and sort of like, like go squat in a Smith machine and do some bench pressing here and there, uh, throughout throughout the like my twenties and my early thirties. But when I found CrossFit and I started going on a consistent basis and I started moving away from endurance sports because my body was really beat up. I was doing lots of distance and long races and stuff. And it was a nice change of pace. But what I started to transition toward was this idea of what my, what my body was capable of doing and, and also not fighting against my natural body type which is not skinny, like I will never be skinny. Um, And so I started to focus more on what I could do with this body and less on how it looked. And that really was sort of the key. Um, And that's, you know, I, I always think if I hadn't found, if I hadn't walked into that gym and actually a friend had challenged me to do a CrossFit workout in my garage. I was like, I don't even know what this is. And so I was, I, re- I really liked it. And so I went to the local CrossFit down the street and I was like, I want to do this. This is really fun. I mean, if I had never had the guts to walk in there or, or whatever, I mean, I just, I don't even know where I'd be right now, but I love that. you know, it was a huge transition, huge turning point for me. I love that, Steph. I love it because you're focusing on what your body can do and how your body's functioning, not just how your body's feeling or how your body's looking, which I think is fantastic. And also, you're, you're playing to your strengths. You know, you figure out, you know, rather than focusing on what your body's not good at, you're saying, well, what is my body good at? You know, what can I do that I'm going to love that my body thrives on rather than trying to, you know, work work so hard doing something that doesn't come naturally or perhaps not as fun for you. So, I think that's fantastic. You know, um, when you went to the gym, you know, you said you went to the gym on and off uh, prior to starting CrossFit. You know, often, yeah. particularly girls seem to go to the gym and they have concerns about going to the gym because they're worried about getting too big or getting too muscly or, you know, not being feminine enough and all those sort of things. Did you have those sort of concerns uh, when you were going to the gym previously? You know, I never really worked out. I never really lifted heavy enough to to be worried about that. I think maybe in the back of my mind, it was an issue. But for me, I just didn't really, I didn't really know what I was doing. Because I, I would go to the Y, which is sort of just a local gym, I would go to the Y and throw just, you know, mess around and I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I think because I didn't know what I was doing, um, I just, I couldn't benefit from it. Or I was doing lots of, you know, machines. So I would do, you know, like everybody loves the adductor machine um, and that sort of stuff. And like, <laughs> you know, um, just really sort of isolation exercises, which th- have a place and, and I'm not dissing those, but um, it wasn't really until I was exposed to things like how to squat properly and like deadlifting and um, the Olympic lifts I really love and, and stuff like that, that I would, it just felt like I was coming home, you know, it felt like this is what my body's meant to do. 
and like biceps curls are great. And I do those too from, from time to time. But to me, there's just something so primal about those compound movements, the squats, the deadlifts, the presses, like uh, carrying heavy things, doing odd object movement. I mean, all sorts of stuff that's really fun, but it, it also, um, you know, it feels very natural. And, and so I just think I, I wasn't aware of that kind of working out. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I mean, I never really worried that it was going to make me bulky enough because I didn't do it enough. Yeah. Um, I would just do it like every once in a while, every couple of weeks I'd go to the Y and get on the Smith machine and probably squat the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't not put any weights on it because I didn't know what I was doing, but that's a huge concern. And the women I work with is, you know, I, I don't want to get too bulky and you know, yeah, we, there are different body types and some people do put on muscle faster than others, but it's just, if I think everybody pictures a bodybuilder yeah, and you know, I know I have friends who are bodybuilders and figure athletes and they have to do some really specific, really difficult things to transform their bodies to that extreme, you know, in that, in that particular way with hypertrophy that you're not going to get from just going in a couple times a week and doing some strength training. Yeah. So that's your, that's what you'd say to those people is, is really, you know, you don't need to worry about it. Like, like you're not actually, because you're right. Like those bodybuilders, I mean, they work hard and they go to extremes in terms of their diets and in terms of their exercises to get their bodies to that stage. I mean, I can remember talking to a classmate of mine back when I was at uni and he was doing some bodybuilding stuff and, and what he would do in the week leading up to, to his competitions in terms of mm-hmm. fasting and dehydrating and you know, like the extremes they go to to get their body as lean as they possibly can and as muscly as they possibly can leading into that competition are full on. And so you're absolutely yeah. right. Like your average person going to the gym is just not going to go to that extreme. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great reminder, I think, as well for perhaps for the guys who are out there because, you know, as a guy, like I do CrossFit as well, Steph, and I love it. And, you know, you look at some of those bodybuilders and you think, wow, you know, they're so lean, like they're so muscly. Like how do they get like that? And, and you know, sometimes you think, I wish, you know, I wish I had those six-pack abs. Like they're pretty amazing. <laughs> but then you remember, oh, no, that's right. Like, the you know, the preparation they do and the work that they do to get into that position, you know, is mm. – is often you know several hours a day. You know it is often fasting and dehydrating and and you know fake tanning and, and all those other things that go into that that lifestyle and that style of competition. Um, that you know for people who love doing that, it's great. You know, good on them, have a blast. But that's not my lifestyle. You know, that's not where I want to go. You know, I I, I have other priorities in my day with my kids and my work and my podcasting that mean that I don't want to spend three hours a day in the gym and, and that's okay. And so I think what you said before about, you know, just being functional, you know, being able to have the ability to do the things that you would love to do in your life is really what it's all about. And I know you speak about that a lot uh, and that's something you work on a lot with your clients, which sounded fantastic. So can you tell us a bit more about that, about you know, how you help people discover why they would want to do it and, and develop the capacity to do what they want to do? Yeah, I mean – I really, much like everything else, I take a really sort of holistic approach to getting stronger. And, you know, and health is sort of a catch-all term, right? It's like, oh, I want to be healthy. What does that mean? You know, I want to have the ability to do the things I want to do. I want to feel good on a regular basis. I want to sort of reach my full potential. And how do you define, like, how do you, it's such a broad thing, right? And so 
with my clients, um, like in my harder to kill challenge, we work on four pillars. And those four pillars are eat foods that nourish, strengthen your body, practice positive mindset, and renew your energy. Mm. You know, and I feel like we could, you know, go off on side tangents. Like, what does it mean to renew your energy? Well, it's a lot of different things. Like, what does it mean to eat foods that nourish? Well, it doesn't just mean eating paleo, right? It means a lot of things. It means mm. eating food that nourishes your your heart and your soul and your culture. And right, so it's so complex. But I I feel like most people really get hung up on the mindset piece. Um, they psych themselves out, yeah. you know, they beat themselves up if they eat something that's bad, quote bad, you know? And so it, it, it's ironic how in a community like paleo or like whatever, whatever eating philosophy you sort of align to, there are ways that people like you and me who've been doing it for a while. And we, we know that it takes in general, like a little bit more moderation to sort of stick it out long term. The irony is in, in these sorts of communities that the detail, you know, we get so caught up in the minutiae of oh, eat this and eat that and don't eat this. And people get really paranoid and they don't want to do it wrong. And and so what I try to help my clients understand is like like the notion of perfection just doesn't exist. So you need to sort of get over that right away. But do being consistent and doing the work really and showing up and um, finding ways that are a bit more manageable. Cause what I see a lot um, in my clients is um, a, almost like a sort of a binge behavior and it, it goes beyond just food, right? Um, all of a sudden I'm going to be super dedicated and I'm going to go to the gym six days a week, sometimes <laughs> twice a day. And right. And, and that's not sustainable. And then they, they get exhausted and then they have their, their body or their brain just makes them stop. And then they, they feel bad. Right. And so then they beat themselves up and they eat all the foods that they really don't want to, but they feel like a failure and they go into a really dark place in terms of their mindset. And then they muster back up the courage and they're like, all right, I'm going to go all back in and go back to the gym six days a week. And I'm like, what if you, and these are busy moms, mostly they're busy yeah. moms or busy women. I don't work with a lot of male clients, but I do have some, um, who come along for the ride with me. And, um, but everybody is, you know, we're all juggling work and family and extracurricular activities and, um, hobbies and just trying to make it, we're just trying to live. We're just yeah. trying to make life happen. And I, you know, I oftentimes talk to my clients who are moms and they're like, I get up at four, I drive 45 minutes to the gym. I go work out. I'm exhausted. I come home, I get the family ready. You know, you, that's just how the day starts. Mm. And I'm like, what if you could, and I, you know, I always ask them like, well, are you, is it working? And they're like, well, I kind of feel terrible most of the time and I'm stressed out and whatever. And I'm like, well, what if you could work out and do some simple strength training in your house two or three times a week or go to your local, um, you know, gym and do some strength training a couple times a week. Now, all of a sudden you've bought yourself back a lot more time. You're not as tired. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it sounds silly, but we're, we sometimes <clears throat> don't see the obvious or the less extreme option as viable, yeah. even though it is the viable option. 
Yeah, it's so true, Steph. I mean, I do wellness coaching as well. And, and so often with my clients, it's all about telling them that, you know, most of the results you get are from doing the simple things really, really yeah. well. And, and so, you know, you would feel the same as a coach that sometimes you almost feel a bit silly in terms of the advice you're giving as a coach. Like, because what you're telling people is just really often really simple stuff and, and what seems like such obvious solutions. And sometimes you feel like, you know, I, I almost can't believe people are paying me to give them this advice because, you know, it's, it's like I'm just telling them almost the blindingly obvious sometimes. But but that's why coaching is so useful. You know, it, it's, it's so useful to have someone who can be outside of your life, you know, outside of your day-to-day stresses and outside of, I guess, your, your prism of existence of understanding to say, what if you just did this a little bit differently? You know, but I, th- I think it's such a great point for people to understand that you know, most of the results they get is from just doing the simple things really, really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we try to be really complex and do really sexy things that we think are going to be the, the answer, the quick fix that will unlock, you know. Yeah. Like, it's like we, ha- it, we don't need more knowledge. No. We don't need more information. Sorry, right? yeah, and stop that's... listening to the podcast. No, don't stop listening to the podcast. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> like ultimately, you could listen to every one of your podcasts and never implement anything, right? Yeah. And so you've got to do the work. And that's actually one of uh, one of the shirts that we have is do the work because that's really where the action that you take is, is what's going to matter. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but you have to make the effort. Yeah. And that's where the coaching can be so helpful as well, isn't it, Steph? I mean, just, just helping people translate that knowledge into some action and helping people figure out where to start, you know, and what to do next. Because so often that's what, you know, it's almost that decision fatigue that, that creates the problems where people just aren't sure, you know, they've got so many ideas, they've got so much knowledge, they've heard so many things from so many different mm. people they're not sure where to start. They're not sure what direction to go into. And often they are overcomplicating it. And so it's just about simplifying things down for people and giving them a plan of attack. Of, we'll do this first and then that. And then, you know, it, you just need to, to give people a little bit of a roadmap sometimes, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I always say this, like co- good coaches have coaches themselves. I have a coach, yeah. you know, um, just somebody who I can talk to to, bring me back to earth sometimes. And yeah, same thing, like help me focus on what's the most important thing. And, and I think that that's really important. And, you know, um, it's not a sign of failure to seek guidance and seek help and seek accountability. And I think a lot of times people get the notion that they just have to be the solo warrior who never, who figures it all out on their own, or they struggle with their health problems Mm. for years before like actually going to see a practitioner. And and I'm like, you don't, you shouldn't have to suffer. You shouldn't have to try to figure it all out on your own. If you've given it a fair shake and you're not a failure because you ask for help. Yeah. I think that's so true. Absolutely. Steph, it's been a fantastic conversation today. Um, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Um, I have no doubt that people are going to want to find out more about you. Um, so they can head to your website, which is stephgodrow.com. Now I'm going to spell that because it's S-T-E-P-H-G-A-U-D-R-E-A-U.com. And I'll put that in the show notes to make that easier for people. Um, otherwise, they can find you at stupideasypaleo.com, which is much easier to say and much easier to remember. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, they can also find you on social media. Uh, so if they go to Facebook, you're Stupid Easy Paleo. Um, Instagram and Twitter at Stupid Easy Paleo. Really easy to yep. find. 
Um, and on your website, they're going to find a whole bunch of information about your apparel, um, the, those shirts that you mentioned, the, the notebooks you mentioned. I think I'm going to end up ordering some shirts and some notebooks. I think those <laughs> harder to cool ones. They sound cool. Um, you've got books there, which are the Paleo Athlete and the Performance Paleo Cookbook. Um, you've got a four-week and a 12-week Get Stronger program. Um, and obviously, your coaching, they can find out more about how to do coaching. I'm assuming you do that uh, online and via Skype as well, Steph. Is that correct? Yeah. So, the uh, the Harder to Kill six-week challenge that we have is the uh, the virtual coaching. So, that's that's online. It's really fun. Perfect. Great. Um, so, thank you so much for coming on board, Steph. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure many of our listeners, all of our listeners have gotten some great information and wisdom out of that. So, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.